What? Brothers, 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 brothers. Oh, yeah! It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a... It doesn't matter what you think! I lie! Oh, you didn't know? And I spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. See? I just didn't You just made the list! It's a good, good world we live in, folks. This is WWEGL. My name is the Notorious Noah... Phillips, and it's great because Logan Hurston has had all the wisdom taken out of his body. I didn't know he had any beforehand. But folks, my co-hosts are the gimmick killer, Cooper Prater, who is somehow your WWE GL champion. Who is rightfully and truly forever your WWE GL heavyweight champion. Glad, as always, to be on the only podcast that is uh, currently hosted by Foghorn Leghorn. I don't I don't get that joke. And the other man in the room is, I don't know what your nickname is, kid, Alex Houston. I'm like an enhancement talent at this point. I'm not sure if I have I have a gimmick right now. I mean, I'll just keep I'll keep showing up like in the in the files like LA Knight in the past. He's just there. He's there. He's everywhere. Also, some very serious allegations were levied at a certain AEW wrestler last week on this very show. And of course, I looked into it very, very extensively by scrolling Twitter. And I have an answer to that, but we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> the most thorough method of research I, at this point, hey man, Twitter's crazy, man. It's it, there's Twitter's how I found out that Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk are gonna gonna throw down, man. I can't wait. But that that's that's all I got. It's a big wide world out there. It it is, man. It I mean, is. Hey, I'm going on Threads soon. Cannot wait to see what that brings onto the table. To Threads, you say, said Professor Farnsworth. Y'all think they're gonna do like what kind of cage you think they got for Mark and Zuck? For uh, Zuck and Eon. Are they going to do the blood and guts cage? <laughs> I mean, Zuck was training with like UFC dudes, so and, and Dana White loves money. So like, if they're going to do it in any context, it would absolutely be on UFC pay-per-view programming. I think in, what was it? It might have been WWE 2K19 in the, in the story mode for that. That's a tough one. At one point, uh, you have to wrestle in uh, a, a cage match stipulation uh, called the Scrap Trap. The Scrap Trap, if I recall correctly, is literally just a standard steel cage with, like, I think, like, planks of wood, like, uh, nailed onto it. Like, they, like, they're, like, boarded up, like, at some point at the top for some reason. I don't know. I think they also have, like, I don't know, chairs, like, sticking up, like, on top of, like, through the links of it, the cage. I don't know. It was, it was It's a very confusing design. For uh, Yeah, no, 2K19 was exactly correct. Hey, It was a go. scrap trap match in the Hammerstein ballroom, it was apparently. In the, that's right, because it was like an ECW throwback. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to get this game. That sounds awesome. <laughs> that story mode is insane. Yeah, because it is, it is it is Hammerstein, because that's, that's I mean, well, as, as, as 2Ks can make it look, that, right, right. wow. And it's BCW. That might be like a, okay, this is probably oh, that's, like a. Oh, well, I remember that. You Yeah, you have oh. to start as an indie wrestler. Right. And BCW is like the um, the fake indie league that they made up for the story. Which like, that's where you start at. Um, <laughs> I want to know what the B in BCW stood for. Was it? Oh, oh it might have been Backyard Championship Wrestling. Okay, that that's actually. <laughs> hey, somebody might want to file a trademark on that real quick and 
and get something going on I that one, say, that's good. At first, I, I doubted it because, like, oh, that would be, like, really demeaning to, like, every indie fan. Like, oh, you backyard championship wrestlers. But also, like, but like you know. It, they, is 2K wrong? Hey, man, the Hardys got started in the backyard. Right. right. So, like, at the end Don't of the day, ain't, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with it. That's the, how you go. There you go. Exactly. So, well, we got to get into actual news. <gasps> All right. How dare. I don't know if you know this, Alex. Me and Cooper were talking about it a little bit before you got here. Fightful Select got their hands on a document where AEW has a new list of band moves and moves that require pre-approval. Interesting. We're going to start off with the new list of band moves, according to Fightful Select. Chair shots to the head. Chair shots to the back of the head. Buckle bombs. Moves where a wrestler falls backwards into a turnbuckle. Imitating concussions or seizure system, uh, system, symptoms. Symptoms, symptoms, however you say that, while selling a move. Spitting. I did. That's the first time I'm reading that. Good Lord, how was that, man? Uh, bleeding was, while in a crowd. Okay, that one makes sense, I guess. Using weapons or projectiles in the crowd. Yeah. Throwing anything with blood on it into the crowd. Yeah. Taking food or drinks from the fans in the crowd. MJF. Making contact with fans in the crowd. They took away MJF's whole moveset, guys. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's his entire... So, contact in a general sense, because, like, my first episode of Dynamite, like, one of the first matches, like, Orange Cassidy's, like, doing the, I think, the fans. I'm guessing they mean, like, physical, like, altercation-level right, contact, right. like what, like, the Dudleys would do back in the day, where they would just, like, fight people in the crowd for no reason. Like, don't, like... Dive onto somebody. Okay, right? okay, makes sense. Unless they're like plants, like how WWE would do it. Okay, right. don't God. like. Didn't mean to interrupt. I was just confused about that one particularly. I don't like swing at their hat or something. Was that the last one? Uh, that was the entire list of new band moves. Wow. Also action. interesting that they threw in the um, imitating concussion or seizure symptoms because that was like just recently done with uh, the Brian Danielson match from yeah. a little while ago, yeah. and I recalled like people like being very very concerned about it. Um, so I, I I understand why they want to maybe you know put the kibosh on that. Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show that we were talking about that Forbidden Door pay per view, but um yeah I hated that. I I I've never really liked that. Like I don't know. I was thinking about that because a lot of people have I saw a lot of discourse this past week about the um what was the move that uh, Osprey did to Omega that everyone was like oh my god the tiger, tiger driver tiger, tiger driver. driver. So like a lot of people brought that up and and. Like, the argument they were making, which we'll get into some of these, because I think they certainly fit into this argument a bit, is, like, the idea that, like, yo, like, we all know it's fake at this point, right? There's, like, there's, like, the whole point, and and this is what I thought as I was thinking about it, like, the whole point of of professional wrestling to this degree and to this level, this mainstream at least, is that we all know it's fake, and there's an understanding that it is fake, which allows them to do more risky things because of a coordination between two people. Like It's not like a scrum between two guys that are just fighting where dangerous things can happen. The point is that you plan everything so you can do things that appear more dangerous while not actually being more dangerous. Whereas, I don't know if there's anything about the Tiger Driver that is different than how it appears. It looks like it's t- according, terrible. According to Kenny Omega, he... Just fine. Well, after he, he was probably concussed for half the, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, like, you know, um, that that is just a, a, an argument that I've seen people making, especially after that. And then also, again, you had the Brian Danielson thing, which I've always hated that. I've always hated, like, bringing real-life things like that of any context, whether it was the Scott Hall drunk thing that they did in the 90s or the uh, Road Warrior Hawk drunk thing they also did in the 90s because right. people thought that was a great idea, not once but twice, or any of that stuff. Like, when Eddie Guerrero faked a heart attack... 
like I, I just Jeff Hardy's uh, last WWE storyline. Uh, right, yeah. I had stopped watching by that point. I think I saw the painful highlights on Instagram somewhere. I've never liked that, so that to me is the one that stuck out as like, yeah, that's fine. Because I mean, it just it was just like, what, what's the point of it? Because one of these days, it, it like it is real. Like, because what are you gonna ha- are you gonna fake some guy falling from the rafters? Like, is that really? Because that that happened. Like, like it's all fun and games because we haven't seen some guy die on mainstream television before. But like. That's the only reason it's fine. Like that's the only reason we don't actually like totally Completely. get up against it. Because again, they would never do a fake fall from the balcony because obviously what happened to Owen Hart at Over the Edge, tragic. They're never going to talk about it ever again. Blah blah blah. But just because Daniel Bryan hasn't or Bryan Danielson, excuse me, hasn't actually had a seizure in the middle of the ring means it's okay to joke about not joke, but you know, like tease the idea that he's so concussed or his neck is so broken that he's dying in the middle of the ring. Now, I, I and it was a heel tactic, but yeah, come on. In the context of the match, he was faking it yeah. to draw in his opponent and all that sort of thing. And I, I personally, like, you know, I'm fine. It does, when, when those kind of things happen in the moment, there is, of course, a little bit of, like, you know, clutching at the heart and, you know, a little bit of apprehension there um, because it, accidents happen frequently. Yeah. Um, but, you know, also, in in a situation to use the Danielson match, um, you know, where both parties, you know, proceed to play into their roles and and proceed to do things that make it abundantly clear to me, at least, that this was a pre-planned, you know, segment in the match that was agreed upon by, by both parties and that something has not gone horribly wrong, then my mind kind of goes at ease. And I can I can appreciate it within the context of the story that they were trying to tell, um, but once again, I totally understand that you know for some people that might just touch a, a nerve that's you know too strong and a little too real, which you know is absolutely valid. So, I wonder how much of this do you think was from the network specifically? Some of these stick out as like common sense ones, and other ones to me like the spitting seems very because that's why WWE yeah. outlawed that is because. With like that's why Daniel Bryan got fired the first time, right? Because it wasn't just the choking Justin Roberts with the tie; it was because he spit on John Cena, right. which was like people, somebody explained it that that was like a common independent thing. Like if you're a heel, that's one of the things you would do because people could see it because you're in smaller quarters and what. Because I remember on TV, like just you kind of didn't notice it; if you weren't looking for it. How much do you think that was like network enforced? Because that seems like a weird thing, at least coming from an AEW crowd that's about to do blood and guts in all of. Six days. I don't I'm going to throw this in here. They have also released a release of pre-approval, and I guess they have to get that approval from the networks. I, th- I think they made these with network in mind, certainly. Right. I'll, I'll go ahead uh, and read through this yeah. list real quick. Spots and bumps on the ring apron and outside. Table, ladder, chair spots in and out of the ring, only allowed with padding. Any elevated spots outside of the barricades. Uh, all pile driver tombstone variations, including sit down drivers, inverted poison hurricane ranas, high risk dives, or top move, uh, top rope moves. I uh, get that includes 450, 630s, all those. Intentional bleeding or of any sort, not just blading. Shout out John Moxley throwing people into, through, over ring steps, commentary table, uh, bell table, or guardrails. Weapon uses weapon usage. That includes chairs, pipes, all that jazz, throwing any weapons or objects, chairs, etc., choking, strangling with hands or a weapon or hanging spots, injury spots or angles, whether or not medical is involved, called to the ring, any physicality in the crowd or crowd brawlings, 
or any physicality involving referees, managers, extra celebrities, or special guests. That is a whole lot and a whole lot of mouthful. Some of those I don't really get, like the uh, physicality with referees, managers, extras, or actually physicality, or really just those two. I'll pivot here for a moment. When you said all that, Noah, that really stuck out to me in a different sense because, one, network approval on that wide a range of things is a little ridiculous, especially considering AEW style. What, are you going to tell every single network executive about every single match because every single match is going to have some some spot like that? This feels like an edict from AEW specifically because perhaps some wrestlers have been going a bit um, off the script, in a sense, in matches where, I mean, you know how... The WWE style, to a fault, is so... Like, you have two agents working the match with the wrestlers working the match, and they time it out, and sometimes Vince would have them come in the office and explain exactly what they're going to do or whatnot. Whereas, like, this feels like something where Tony or somebody else involved in the company was like, people are going a bit awry here as to where we want them to be going, and maybe they're trying to streamline the product, therefore, because this seems like a correction from previously wrestlers playing the matches almost independently of us versus we want to be in the loop so we can determine what fits and what doesn't. Because network approval, that's a lot of calling up some dude that's not going to be in the office that week versus Tony Khan is in, is, you know, in Gorilla or, or whoever is, right? That's, yeah, that's the, interesting. I think the pre-approval that they're referring to is yeah. Tony Khan. Right. Um, or at least, you know, like, I don't know. Um, like uh, a, a similar backstage agent. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure who. Like I'm not sure of their structure as much as I am of WWE. Sometimes you I'm know a little who confused. Who probably pushed that last button? And I'm gonna guarantee it. Wait, the last one being like the last like okay, we need to do this in Tony yeah. Khan's or whoever's mind. John Moxley, and you want to know why? Because that man just randomly blurted the f word on live television twice this past Dynamite. Did he? Yes. Did oh, wait. Yeah, he, he did. did. He did. I remember that. At the okay, very yeah. end, I was like, why? Why do that when you know the the uh, shotgun mic is right there? I don't know that he knew that, actually. I Because oftentimes, if somebody is, like, yelling up on the ramp, they will do a cut reaction to the person in the ring. And but he like held the he held the camera over there. in one of the later and even movies. if it's not a shotgun mic, those cameras pick up whatever audio they want them to right. pick up at that point because they are hundreds of thousands of dollars most likely. I mean, it's not John Moxley; it's everybody. Like it's probably it's it's probably just something that Tony's probably been thinking about, and at some point, especially as the shows expand and. Perhaps I was thinking about this too. I don't. I don't mean to keep keep interrupting on it because obviously I'm not. I, I as Noah said, as we talked about before the show, I don't watch the product. Um, Good, but I I think it might be in order to streamline the product and also perhaps give each of the shows their own distinctive identity. In a way, not saying they don't already possess that. I'm just saying as an outside viewer, it, it is difficult to grasp what that unique identity perhaps was in watching Dynamite promoted and whatnot. Perhaps that's like where they can say, oh, well, if you're working a match on Dynamite, you can't do this. Whereas if you're working a match on Rampage, you can do it. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just spitballing here because it feels very out of the blue for a company that is very much, we are the independent scene, just mainstream. We have all these wrestlers that have all these unique styles that offer all these different things. It feels very odd to Brother, we got to go to an ad break. Sorry. I'm, I'm cutting you off, all right? I don't care if I'm the heel or something. We're going to ad break, all right? Fair you enough. You good with that? Yeah, I'm fine. Good, were you good with that? 
I don't think I have much of a choice. Yeah, yeah that's right. The FCC don't. better be cool with it. We are back here on WWEGL. <laughs> Alex, I know you're laughing over there at me. I don't. I'll come over there in a second. Don't you worry. But folks, we got to talk about Friday Night SmackDown. Unless y'all wanted to continue to talk about the lesser product in the wrestling world, AEW. I, can we cut the Jim Cornette Disco Inferno style for like Disco two seconds? Inferno. No, brother, th- we got like two hours to go, man. It's gonna get real tiring real quick. No, it's called getting heat, brother. They're just clutching at straws. We're just getting a man getting so desperate for attention and validation. He needs to hide it behind a gimmick, brother. Right. We are getting the heat so you can get the co- you or Alex can get the comeback. Me. <laughs> One of you two, <laughs> sir. This is an brother. Arby's. I'm trying. We're <laughs> trying to sell tickets in this territory. This is college radio. We, we, no, we don't get paid for this. We are on a what? mission, Noah, to get our get two paid. two famous <laughs> listeners, Justin Lee <laughs> yeah. and Justin Ferguson, not to change the channel, brother. Right. You know, uh, Justin Ferguson did shout out the fact that because um, he was doing like a sorry, this is a total tangent, but I just didn't know if you saw this, Noah. He was doing a like where Auburn sports radio is like because they're all going to different locations. He's like, oh yeah, and. Auburn softball is going to Weagle, and some guy posted a gift that I don't know if he was angry about it or not. So hopefully he's listening to this and is really impressed by our <laughs> radio acumen and cannot wait to hear us talk about or not us, you guys talk about softball next year because I'm an old Cooper. Are you gonna left. talk about softball next year? Hey man, nah, softball's right. fun. <laughs> no, <just> me, no. <laughs> Matty, Matty Penn is pretty cool. Anyway, um, you were saying SmackDown? SmackDown. I'm gonna put y'all on tribal court. We're gonna determine who the real tribal chief of this radio station is. It's probably Roman Reigns. Probably is Roman Reigns. We need to acknowledge him. That's true. He's still our tribal chief until Jey Uso can defeat that man at SummerSlam. We have started building up to this as the closing image of SmackDown was Jey Uso challenging his brother to a trial by combat at SummerSlam, I guess, for the WWE Championship and other stuff. All the championships. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait. So, I'm sorry. Just to correct, because I did not watch the show, but I did watch, like, the tr- uh, the trial segment. So, they had, like, the trial at the beginning, and then at the end, it came back around with Jay challenging him? Yes. Okay. Because Jay had, gotcha. had to go to the hospital. Right. Because he said, they I'm were getting... too tough for that, and came back. Uh, okay. That, that's pretty cool. Okay. That's cool. Um, Yeah. The, the segment... I thought was surprise. It's a bloodline segment. They're pretty good at it. They're all um, pretty good. So, and that's and that's still true of this. Um, I kind of knew where it was going, just because like at this point, Roman doesn't have any feuds outside of his family. So either they do another tag match at SummerSlam, or they just fast track Jay for a title match. Um, which I'm fine with, and I think is good because Jay deserves all the, the flowers in the world for this performance, and getting a, a big shot title match at a big four pay-per-view I think is a great way to do that. Um, I will say that um, I thought that um, this featured probably one of my favorite uh, low blows in all of professional wrestling. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when, it, when it happened, I was like, there ain't no way, man. Just... Uh, and the setup was so clear. Like the second he gets down on the knee, I'm like, oh, has a tear coming out of his eye. It's that, that was more than one tear, man. That dude was sobbing. <laughs> hit man, give Ro- Roman. Roman said, "I will beat the I'm not a good actor." Allegations right here on television, <laughs> and that man cried his eyes out. That was awesome. Um, 
So that that uh, upped the the segment in a big bad way for me. Um, and, but I I'll say this: um, the the actual announcement, as somebody who has been like a ride or die, oh Jey Uso should take the title from Roman guy since like WrestleMania. Um, I think that I don't know this this left me a little bit cold for that match. Um, just because I I I know Roman's gonna win, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and not that's not you know to like rag on um you know the the story that they've been telling so far because I think it's been very good, but at this point in it, SummerSlam is just not the place to do that. Um, SummerSlam is not the place to to have that moment, and. Jay, even though he's been putting on killer performances and he's he's an incredible actor, I don't think has quite the same fire going into it yet. There's still time to change that. There's still sure. a couple of weeks of build that they can do. Um, but I don't think he's quite as on fire as like Sammy was or or as Cody was. Or Drew. Or Drew. Um, so, you know, they... It's going to take a little bit more work to really get me back in the, oh, he might do it mindset. Um, but if anybody can do it, it's these people. So, I'll, I'll, I'll echo that sentiment completely. I, again, did not watch the show, but I'd seen everybody on Twitter talking about it. And there was like a somewhat edited version of it on YouTube. Because how many exhibits did they have during like the full segment? Well, there was a 40 minute segment. Okay. Because on yeah. the video I watched on YouTube, it was just exhibit A. And like then it like cut to once the exhibits were done. And then, which, you know, was a nice enough condensed version. I got, I got the gist of it. Um, this to me was like if I could describe to someone who did not watch wrestling, the power of professional wrestling storytelling. This was like it. This is the pinnacle. This is why everybody watches it. This is the exact reason. And here's why. Because Jimmy and Jay Uso are not the good guys here. They're not. Roman is not the good guy either. But, like, Jimmy and Jay are complicit in the terrorist warlord of professional wrestling for the past three years. Like, that. Like that's the case here. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't, like, there was a lot of conflict Inner internal con conflict for them for most of this run. Even the exhibit was almost a laughable, like, oh, what, you got bullied? Mm, Who I cares, know. dude? You were bullying the whole whole company for three years. Which, again, that's me thinking about it, like, removing myself from the, from the situation, removing all the context, removing all the work that they've all done. And it's like a laughable premise on its, like, base flat piece of paper. But they've been building this pyramid for so many months. And that's what professional wrestling can do because since you know it is a performance art and since it's it's so it's real or more real than a television show or a movie there's a certain level of respect that builds up with every performer heel or face which is why a lot of heels get cheered lately right cuz that's a more prominent thing nowadays is the respect between the wrestler and the audience like that's why people are probably cheering MJF cuz like oh this guy's a great promo mm. which he is and that's why that's why people like him because this dude's been putting in work like he may make all these jokes about the bidding war but he deserves one because he's been putting in work over and over and over yeah, and so I mean, on it's, and so forth it's like you know you watch uh, a play or whatever exactly. and the guy that plays the villain you still clap for him exactly. at the end you know so and that's exactly what Jimmy and Jay are doing right now because the truth is it's like Jay has been putting in that work and the Usos have been, you know, it's like that where they were the heels the whole time, but they were the workhorse. Where Roman was missing weeks, the Usos, at least from my outside perspective, were there, at least in some capacity. And I think 
that's what was so powerful about this whole thing. And like any Bloodline segment, you don't even have to watch the main guys in the in the in the foreground. You can just watch Paul Heyman crying his eyes out in the background. <laughs> and, and Solo Sokoa having that look of confusion on Solo's his face. good, man. He, you know, he I don't know if he's as great as like a, a verbal promo, but in terms of like the the facial expressions, the Samoans got that, man. They got it in spades, they got it everywhere. And I'll say this too about the SummerSlam thing. Um, I definitely agree that he, Roman's not going to lose the belts. I think because that's just not what they're going to do. Disagree, agree, whatever. I think, and this is again me having no real knowledge of any of this, just saying how I see it playing out of my head. I think it's this is going to be the kickstart of the downfall of Roman. That's going to end with WrestleMania 40 when he loses the belt and disappears forever, which is what he deserves because he's been putting in amazing work. What happens is Roman is going to do what Roman always does. He's going to destroy them. And then he's going to say, come on back, which is what he did the first time. The reason he, the, the reason the Usos joined the bloodline is because he beat them into submission and then beat them into submission again. Like I've always seen like like the, everybody replayed for a million times the Thunderdome era. Please stop. And then he just put him in the guillotine instead. And it's like, okay, dude, we like that was his, his whole shtick was I'm going to just destroy everybody. And I think what he's going to do now is he's going to do that and you're going to see some confliction on Solo, which we're going to build to. And then you're going to have Roman win and guys come on back and Jay and Jimmy are going to get up and they're going to walk out Mm. and they're going to get their break because they're going to take a break because these guys have been going and going and going. And I really think what could happen from there is you get down to Survivor Series, which is going to be war games again, right? Like, isn't that like a permanent or is it not a permanent thing? Uh, It should be if it isn't. Okay. Well, yeah, (laughs) I know. They they haven't named Survivor Series war games, just Survivor Series. Well, okay. Let's assume they make it war games. If not, Survivor Series match, though, I think this can keep going into war games. And then Roman is doing his Roman stuff. No, nobody can touch me. I'm head and shoulders above the rest. He assembles his team of monster heroes or whatever. And then the Usos come back at the end of like a go home SmackDown or whatever. And we're like, no, we're the ones to challenge you or whatever, leading into an Usos versus Roman and the heels whatever Survivor Series match. I don't know. I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd draw money. I think it prints money. And then from there, again, he's going to lose at Mania 40. I wish it could be the Bloodline story finishing within itself. I don't think it's going to do that just because I don't think it is. Because, again, there's also that problem where Jimmy and Jay are the bad guys. You're gonna give the bad guy the belt, like I mean. But they're turning, brother. No, I. But they're like turning, brother. They but like it, they're turning. They're turning is because their brother was really mean to them after they bullied the whole school. It, it That's like matter. what it is. They're, it, they're they're they were the number two in the bully you know, squad. And they got I've, bullied. It wasn't just that he bullied them. He no, was like I I know cruel. I'm, like, a, I'm oversimplifying yeah, okay. it obviously because yeah. Roman is a master manipulator, which right. Michael Cole called him that, and I was like, thank you. Somebody said he was a bad dude for once, right. and I get that. I'm, I'm oversimplifying it because I, I think that's how they see it. Is when you break the storyline down to its core. That is how, which is again why it's such a good story because we still find ourselves, and I still find myself rooting for the Usos the whole way. Mm. But I mean, it was still—I mean, I didn't mean to talk about it forever, but what a dang segment, man! I mean, that's just good—that's just good content, good wrestling. Well, I'm going to talk about the other three fourths of the rest of SmackDown <laughs> for, for the last thirty seconds we got here. United States Championship: Austin Theory defeated Sheamus via Schoolboy. That doesn't matter. AJ Styles defeated Karrion Cross via Pinfall. Doesn't really matter. Great that that uh, storyline's over. Uh, Asuka avoided a chaotic brawl setting up Bianca Belair and Asuka next week on SmackDown. That's great and all. Uh, I It's okay. And then this last match, well, Cooper, did you watch it? downfall from his, your excitement level. That's great and all. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cooper, quite, quite the elevation. Yeah, Co- Cooper, did you watch the other match though on the show? Um, Edge? Edge and Grayson, Grayson Waller. Waller. Uh, I did. I did. We're going to talk about it when we get back after this quick break. We'll see you all in two minutes.
are y'all sinking or are y'all swimming? Because one guy that swam on this past Friday Night SmackDown was the dynamite from down under, Grayson Waller, his match against Edge. He lost, but he had a dang good showing. He did. That's how, That's what they say, man. Had one of the best losing spots that I've ever seen. Like the the spot that he actually lost to. Oh he, boy. Uh, he went in for the stunner and got speared. Got speared out of his boots. Yeah. It was crazy. I didn't see that. I saw <laughs> yeah. it in the highlights. That was pretty good. I was very impressed with Grace Waller. I he said he had a leg injury. And yeah, I was, that's they, they announced that's what I it during the uh, effect, and I was like, oh, all right, mm. I'm down. I'll watch this. I don't care. Which really now puts into into perspective the weeks upon weeks of him not wrestling. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, why were you doing? Oh this? yeah, because people were talking about that. They were like, why why are we just having this talent go on there and be like, you know, the highlight reel or whatever? Right. But that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I I hope that they see more in him than like the Miz. The Miz role. Yeah. Um and hopefully this little like run of, of inactivity that he was on was not indicative of where they see his ceiling being. Um and I think that he made a great case for himself if they didn't already think that. Right. Um so, but yeah, I mean, this was like an, an incredible. Edge has just been on a consistent role too. Like, I want to give some some credit to Edge here as well. Um, in this late stage of his career, consistently putting on some of the most entertaining television matches. Like for n- no reason. Like he doesn't have to try. Yeah. Like he is very. He could very much go into the Randy Orton role of I'm not paid by the hour. So I can just, you know, slap on a headlock, cut an RKO, and bounce out of here, you know. So, uh, but he doesn't. He seems to still put in a lot of genuine effort into making not only his performance really engaging and believable, but it's to really legitimize his opponent. Um, this is like twice now that he's he's put on, I think, some of the best matches of the year on free TV for, like, no reason. I definitely so. say that effect is probably due to the whole having his career ripped away for a moment. You know what I mean? Because it definitely puts in perspective yeah, how, much, how many yeah. years he's got left. But really, I mean, definitely having a second career, especially for how, you know, he wasn't necessarily a high flyer, but he did a lot of crazy spots in his career. And to have his body not be broken down to the extent that I think we'd all expect it to be mm. is quite impressive, especially considering the near or was career ending injury then then was no longer, which I still don't really understand how that worked. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, Love Edge. I wish he would eventually start losing some matches to the up and coming talent, but we'll get there eventually, I guess. Right, right. And that's the. <laughs> you know, he that's lost the, to AJ the, Styles. Well, that's an up and coming talent. I just wish he'd lost to Balor at Mania if we knew he was going to be off TV for this long. I'm just saying. Like, like if you're going to give him his break, have him lose. It's fine. Nobody now, cares when he comes back. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, I assume, about people losing or people who that people think should lose to upcoming talent later on uh, when we get into the AEW segment. But, do you, do you um, want to go ahead and start it? Uh, no, because I, I, got, I got a little more point uh, that I want to make about this particular thing. But I do think that... Um, while yes, it would be nice to you know see Grayson Waller get the win either this week or you know any other week that he's on TV, um, I think it's important to realize that in the universe of the show, Edge and Grayson Waller are very much not on the same level. That's true. Um, and you know, as 
even though um, I might think that Waller, from a meta perspective, deserves uh, some like really obvious push of this is what we think of you, this is what we can do with you. Um, I think in a in-universe storyline perspective, there does have to be some level of graduation to that. Um, so that was not a particular bug with me, as it was not a particular bug with me in the later thing that we'll talk about when we get there. I would also like to say one thing about his moveset. I see him move away from the slide-in stunner as his finisher. He did a uh, spinning elbow looks kind of like the Judas effect mm. in the match, and it looked really good, and I wish he'd use that instead as his finisher. Keep the sliding stunner as a signature because it works a whole lot better as that. Mm. There you go. I don't know, man. Like, stunners are kind of, like, in unbeatable. Right like, you know, every everybody loves them. Everybody wants to do them. Uh, and, you know. A lot of people have them. A lot of, uh, I mean, I don't like, Kevin Owens does. Grayson Waller does. I guess I was thinking in AEW they did they did because Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen did like the roll the like the jump over the back of them right they did the the fancy version exactly Um, I I, I was more thinking of how everybody has a cutter now which which I actually think is quite funny but (laughs) you know what I was thinking about this um, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there but I was just thinking about it with like LA Knight and we talked about it um, the fact that all these wrestlers that are you know malice to where there is none Noah (laughs) what is Hey man, uh, where where like all these wrestlers are doing this, that, or whatever? Like I think back to they were all like fifteen during the Monday Night War, so they all probably do a cutter because right. because Diamond Dallas Page made the Diamond Cutter the most yeah. overmoving wrestling for for a time. That wasn't the stunner. Yeah. That wasn't or a spear. Everyone does a spear because Edge did the spear. Like or Goldberg the did the spear that you know ruined the super kick for everybody because Shawn Michaels. Like, exactly. Everybody saw Shawn Michaels do it, and they're like, "That's the coolest thing I've ever seen." Exactly. Like I was yeah. thinking about that because it is just something so in- like I'm sure that's why everybody does a cutter or like it's, like a super kick is absolutely because Shawn Michaels did the super kick. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing ever. Because right. that was, you know, when the big boys weren't lifting up their legs to kick anybody, and then Sean was doing that every week. Mm. I was just thinking about that because everybody has a cutter, which, you know, it's cool, but it's de- definitely is because probably Diamond Dallas Page and I guess Randy definitely reinforced the importance of that to pretty much everybody. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah well, anyway. from Grayson Waller, who swam on Friday Night SmackDown to a show that is sinking in the rankings. Oh, dear. Saturday night's all right for fighting. AEW Collision. Happened this past Saturday. Uh, Start off with CM Punk. Yeah. Coming out of the ring and telling the world that he doesn't believe in superstitions. Kissing the Owen Owen Hart Memorial Trophy and that he's going to beat Samoa Joe for the first time. A very positive reaction to CM Punk by the crowd. In Saskatoon, right? Saskatoon. Yep. Uh, It should be noted. Um, Yeah. I I find these Punk segments... Endlessly fascinating on <laughs> Collision, just gauging where the crowd is at with him in each city, like you and know. like where he'll edit it to be like more heelish versus right, whatever. Right. Yeah, when does he decide to lean in? When does he decide to pull away? Right. Um, yeah, I thought uh, his, his this particular one was a really good um, uh, promo for him and showed those instincts very well, especially. And I. Thought he had some good stuff to say. Mm-hmm. Weird that he didn't come out to Mussolini or whatever that his song that came out to Elton John. Um, what? 
It came, it came out. Oh, you mean a cult, cult of, of personality? personality? Yeah, whatever that song I was called. Just say, what was that? <laughs> I love how the song in which they repeat their chorus a pretty significant amount of times. Not like you know too many. You, you're you're like, well, oh, Mussolini's what sticks out to me. Well, here's the thing I think about when he comes out. That's when all the people are looking and listening to punk when they do the chorus part. When Mussolini happens, that's the shock, brother. That's what stays with you. Um. Are you okay? Do you ever just like hear somebody <laughs> talking just the, like worry for them? Like, you, just, you just think like, does this need help? Like, it's like I feel I feel like that scene in Happy Gilmore when he gives that really big answer and that's like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my yeah. entire life. And the longer he keeps trying to justify it, the less sense it makes. Oh Lord, you're getting bullied again. No, I better strap in, man. We got an hour to go. Hey, brother, we're producing great television. We're selling tickets. That's what matters. We um, do not get paid. <laughs> <laughs> we got to move into the first match of the night, a Owen Hart Foundation Men's Tournament semifinal match between Powerhouse Hobbs with QTV versus Absolute Ricky Starks. Absolute Ricky Starks getting the win after Marsh QT whatever his name is. I don't really care about him that much. Well, you said QTV. both of them both correctly, so you uh, well, had a 50-50 shot. Who has two names? <laughs> Who has, why do you have two names, brother? Um, Noah and Philip. <laughs> just because there's, there's an S. Hey, man, Philip Phillips exists, okay? So you know what I mean? Hey, brother. Alexander Shannara. Not, every, um, not everybody can be Kelly Kelly. That's- the, hey, man. <laughs> not everybody has, has the sauce quite like Kelly Kelly and the double names. He man. did say he's the ideal ideal wrestler when talking about Parallel Sobs. Nigel McGinnis did say. He is giant. Uh, yeah. He is a big man. <laughs> um... <laughs> If, uh, you know, um, I were to create, like, a, my creator wrestler in, like, the new WWE or AEW or whatever, um, it would be, I would p- give him all of the, like, moves that Powerhouse Hobbs does. <laughs> I would give him all of Powerhouse Hobbs stats. There you go. Just give him the move set, brother. I'd give him the promo work of Samojo, though. Yeah, there you go. Hey, you, know, you, you do what you gotta do, man. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. Where did I leave The match looked pretty good. Absolute restarts one after Powerhouse Hobbs was distracted in some way by his managers after the match. His managers got in the ring. Powerhouse Hobbs uh, gave his move to one of his managers and got in the face of QTV. God, I hope. Cooper, me and you both hope Ooh, man. that this leads to the breakup yeah. of Powerhouse Hobbs and QTV. It had better. Um... The, this pairing of Hobbs and QTV has done nothing to elevate either. It's just made both look so much more disposable. <laughs> QTV me. seems like a vacuum, man. QTV is their like consolation prize to QT Marshall for being one of like their very integral like backstage guys. Um, and I don't know, man, like we're doing a TMZ gimmick in the year of our Lord, 2023. Like, is this what we're, is this what we're doing? <laughs> That's what the okay. people want, brother. AEW should post a poll on Twitter and go, how many of you guys know what TMZ is? There just you go. period. And right. then when it goes 50, 50, realize you might be doing something wrong. Well, they're losing all their television ratings to TMZ. And it's <laughs> oh, funny because oh, Lord. Hobbs, it just so very much does not need that like from yeah. the very beginning it's been so he's stuck out like a sore thumb 
because he's the only like semi-legitimate like tough dude within this crowd of absolute dorks like QT is a massive dork. Aaron Solo is a massive dork. Harley Cameron is a massive dork. And As Johnny TV, even though he has the best spin kick in the history of the business, <laughs> like launched an iPhone into a trash can from a million miles away. Ooh, there you go. He looks like a massive dork by being paired with these people. <laughs> like, what are we doing? And you want to promote Hobbs as like being your like semi-main event like upper mid card, uh, top heel on the, your show. Okay, like so. Any, I I rant about all of that to say that if what was hinted at at the end of this match comes to fruition, I will forgive AEW and Tony Khan for every perceived booking slight that they have ever done, and uh, I will never question them again. Well, I will. So, <laughs> well, if you're gonna pr- forgive Tony Khan for that, I hope you forgive me. Taking two-minute ad break. We'll be right back, folks, after these short messages. I'm on a roll. And we are back here on Weagle 91.1 FM for WWEGL. We're talking about AW Collision. Cooper, I know you collided. Alex, you did not collide. How dare you, sir? Brother, I think I was... What was I doing on Saturday? Gotta be colliding. Uh, What was I... I actually do not remember what... Oh, I want to go see a movie. That was a movie. Uh, Joyride. It was really good, actually. Wait, no, wait, no, that was Monday. What was I doing? Okay, this is bad. Um, I'll get back to... I'll, I'll talk to my people, and then I'll get back to you guys. Because <laughs> I have what no people? idea. That's the question that I also have to <laughs> ask, because I don't know who I was with. Just go through every contact your phone. Was <laughs> I with you? <laughs> like, it's crazy. I do not remember. That's the most bizarre... Wow. Yeah, I... I'll tell you yeah, what I was I doing on Saturday. Nothing. I'll tell you what I was doing on Saturday sitting down to watch some fantastic wrestling, including the next match that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to skip over all this about the House of Black and Willow Nightingale talking in a backstage segment. The AEW World Tag Team Eliminator Match. The AEW World Tag uh, Tag Team Champions FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood took on Bullet Club Gold, Switchblade Jay White, and Juice Robinson. And folks, if you have not seen this match, you don't have to do everything I tell you, but please do yourself a favor and go watch this one if you do feel so inclined because it is pure wrestling cinema. They will take you on a ride you will never forget. I don't care if you've been on Space Mountain at Disney World, uh, the Hulk roller coaster in Universal Orlando. This ride is better than them all. Because it makes you feel. Does it not, Cooper? He ain't wrong. <laughs> he knows. He's seen. He's, he was taken I, for that ride. I'm I, I'm trying to, you know, bring bring the energy to a more realistic level, but yes, I, I under I understand. That, <laughs> We're getting that. Brother, that was like the baseline of realistic <laughs> expectations you have for this match after watching it. I, I was taken on the ride. This is what pro wrestling should be. If this was on, if this was even close to the matches that uh, the Blackpool Combat Club, with no people from Britain in it, had with the elite, I would be ecstatic for them. But no, they keep wanting to do these over the top things. But the FTR and 
Switchblade Jay White and Juice Robinson put on a clinic, and I wish this is what wrestling was today. They didn't need no furniture. They didn't need any blood. They just went out there and told us a story and took us for a ride. Well, there's some great wrestlers. I certainly hope they would. You know what I mean? Like, what can you do? I really, I do. I'm, I'm gonna look at watching this match. I will say, unless it wasn't that good of a match, and you guys are are punking me right now. Noah. <laughs> oh no! Was it a bad match? <laughs> no, it was very good. It was great. It was amazing. It was Five fantastic. Star. I'm Five not. Star. I'm actually not kidding. It was. It was okay, then what's the great. then what's the what's the bit? No, 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 no. And uh, Noah went on a little diatribe here. All right, what? and that's fine. He can do that. All right, he's not the champion, so obviously. He doesn't understand that, you know, you have responsibilities for what you say and what you do. Um, so, uh, during that diatribe, he said that this match was, if I remember correctly, everything that you wish was that wrestling was today. Yes. Right. Oh. And, and within that list of reasons why, I believe you said that they did not need furniture. Which, okay, sure. And that they did not go over the top, which I, I concur, they did not. And that they did not need blood, which I will say is correct. However, do you know what would have made this match the greatest match of all time, in my opinion? Oh, jeez. What? If at one point... I don't even care when. Have it be at the very, very start. Have Juice Robinson go up to Dax Harwood, slap his little bald head around for like a solid five minutes, all right, and have him just gush out the hard way. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. That would have been great. There you go. And it would have pushed it over the limit. He's on he my side. But Finally. No, I got I'm not. him. I I'm got not. him to come around. I'm not. I'm not. He's... I'm not. Because you know when they can do it? Hmm. Next week in the two or three falls match. That is They have saved correct. it for that. There you go. Instead of doing it in the first match mm. and not getting uh, – instead of wasting it on the first one, they can do it in the second one and they can get the – they can take the people on even more of a ride. Mm. They can take them on a train ride from Washington, D.C. to the – Bottom of Australia, and take them on the twist and turns and the loop de loops on the way, brother. It's gonna be amazing. In all seriousness, though, um, yeah, this match was fantastic. Uh, probably, if not my favorite, then certainly one of my favorite matches from the whole week. Um, and uh, Bullet Club Gold is just undeniable at this point. Uh, anybody who is even slightly apprehensive about where. Uh, Jay White in particular stands in the company uh, should have those uh, concerns put to rest. I don't think that they're going to get the win next week. I'll say that. I um, don't think so either. Uh, which is a shame, but I don't think that they're going to suffer for that because this is one of those performances that really you know, puts into perspective that you can trust this talent to to be consistently great, um, which is something that I think that they had not quite figured out yet with this act. Um, but I'm I'm glad that uh, they've had the opportunity to show that if that's what the end result is. 
Plus, um, this is, again, outside perspective. Wouldn't it be fair to say that they're not going to win the belts because FTR is just that good? Because, like, it seems like they're in a – you know – they're certainly working with some great guys, but they're involved in a lot of really good matches, it seems like. FDR is fantastic. That is absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, they're, I don't know, their peak of, they, they were in a weird position because at the time when FTR was putting on some of the greatest tag team wrestling matches in the history of the business, uh, the acclaimed just so happened to be the most overact in the entire company. And so they kind of had to put the belts on the acclaimed first and then get around to FDR once they were kind of like going on a, on a cold just kind of right. slide. Um, but, uh, and so then the acclaimed has been a little, you know, middling in the, in the mid, in the meantime. And so has FTR as champions as a result of that. Okay, so, interesting. Yeah. Well, um, that's tough. That's not to denigrate them as wrestlers. As In-ring, in still fantastic. Um, but they, they're they not so hot right now that they can't lose the belts necessarily. Right. They so. lost that steam. Well, they put right. on some great matches. I think, you know, whoever they lose it to, it'll probably be a good match. Right. To you know who they wh- can lose it to? Whatever it's worth. Brian Cage and Big Bill. <laughs> Book it, Tony Khan. Honestly, I had a lot more fun with that tag team than I expected when Big Cash showed up on my television screen. Dude, uh, he's been good for a while. They now. said, yeah, they said Big Bill, and I'm like, oh, who is this gonna be? And then he pulled up, and I was like, ain't no way. Mm-hmm. My man Big Cash pulled up on my television screen. I, I was, I, I popped for that a good amount. He, I was having fun with that match. We'll get to that obviously when we get there. But I would like to say one more thing about the absolute. Classic that was FTR. We were going to be on this collision Club for Gold. 30 minutes. Well, we only got one more match after this. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, there you go. If the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite can get five stars for just hucking furniture around in an, <laughs> in an arena causing anarchy, then that FTR versus Bullet Club Gold match should be at least seven. And it didn't even have to be in the Tokyo Dome. What an absolute cretin. That's running this show. Well, you, <laughs> you know, hear, I, you I, that, did, that did remind me of what I did see a few this past week on, of course, the source of all information Twitter, where um, Dave Meltzer said that his star ratings are objective. He like basically, <laughs> he basically said that like right. I, I don't. Ba- yeah. He he like basically like he didn't say the word objective, but he did say like in essence. And I'm gonna look it up during the break so I can read it out more officially. But I just want to say it now because I don't want to waste time pausing. He said in essence that. His personal opinion does not affect the star rating, implying, therefore, that it must be some sort of standard that he is aware of, which is why he also said that I believe he retroactively gave Hogan and Rocket Mania 18 a two and a half, Mm. which I feel is very harsh for all the good that that match did. And also, that reviews it through a certain lens that I don't think that match is meant to be viewed through anyway, which shows that... It can't be objective because what's well, also the point of wrestling. But anyway, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna find the tweet during the break and I'll read it out because it was quite funny. Which is why I'm gonna allow Noah to make such comments about the star rating because Dave did say, "Hey, hey man, hey, four and sense. a half is basically the same thing as five. He also <laughs> said that during the interview. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, it is brother. not, Dave. 
for for reference out there, a four and a half is a ninety on an exam, where a, a five is a hundred on an exam. Which depends. I don't know, on- man. In a universe where now there is like seven and eight and ten stars, uh, I don't know. Four and a half and a five does seem pretty close. I'll, well, say, I'll say this. My last bit about Dave. Anybody that makes a five star system and then goes outside of it means you're bad at rating things because you should be able to keep everything within a five star realm if you actually know what you're doing. Plus, well, it's not just three point five to four. It's like three point seven five. Like he has such a wide a range well, of options and he's thing, like i gotta go to seven brother the thing you gotta think about is it's only seven or eight if it's in the tokyo dome <laughs> that's the problem with it. <sighs> no I'm, I, I'm aware of that because like that's what uh, anyway we, or if we it's talk in about, uh england as well that's true that's right that's we right. can talk about dave Meltzer for a million years on this show and probably still have things to say so there's probably not a need for it in a sense, we got, I, I will look up his Twitter account. We have one more minute till we got to go to the ad break. I will throw one more thing about Dave Meltzer in there. <laughs> Kurt Angle does not have a five star match, and when asked about it, he was he was like, "Yeah, what, what do you expect? I knew where all of his matches were going to go." And I was like, "No, no, you did not, Dave. That's not how this works. You did not sit down and watch Kurt Angle versus HBK at WrestleMania." That, yeah. That's a five star. Is it twenty? Is twenty two? It's twenty it's, two. It's, uh, 22. 22. You did not. Sit no wait. Down no twenty one. It's twenty one. And watch that match, Dave Meltzer, and say that is not a five star classic. And if you disagree with me, Dave Meltzer, you can meet me in the cage. We can be the undercard fight for Mark Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk. Would you not pay to watch that? Are we not selling tickets, Cooper? <laughs> uh, you you need I'm to not be paying for that show. I'll you, tell you that, brother. You need to be stopped. Yes. This has just gone off the rails, so I'm so tired. Well, we're going to get on back on the rails during this two-minute PSA break. We'll also play a station identification if I can move the array page over to it. Folks, we'll be back in just a few minutes. It's 10 o'clock on the dot. We're going to talk about some more collision on the spot. Lastly, one more match. CM Punk versus Samoa Joe in the semifinal for the Owen Hart Memorial Cup winner of this will go on to face absolute Ricky Starks. Kind of controversial, apparently, in Logan's head. He called me after. He was like, this is terrible. I don't like this. <laughs> this is bad. Samoa Joe should have won. And I was like, no, no. CM Punk can win here in the way that he did because it sets up the rematch. And if Samoa Joe wins there, there is no rematch because it makes zero sense for Samoa Joe to be like, yeah, I'll fight you again. I don't care. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I got to I gotta disagree with Longan here. This match ruled. This was so good. <laughs> um, he, he said it was good. He just disagreed with the finish. Um, I mean, that's fine. Uh, you know, uh, uh, even a, the most well-adjusted clock can be right at least once a day, I suppose. Uh, or wrong well, once well a day. Adjusted. Never well-adjusted. Um, but... Uh, no, yeah, this uh, match was, I think, an incredibly worthy addition to the Punk Joe uh, now quadrilogy um, of matches. Will be a fithology, a quintology, I think. Is that is one of those? It's, when it's, it's one of those things yeah. that's in the dictionary. Um, but uh, just there's so much, and, and this one in particular, you know, because they have those other classics behind them they can call back to it in really interesting ways and and you can see how their characters have have progressed um the the differing career paths that they've each been on in the intervening like 
what did it, what did he say, like 18 years? Yeah, it's 2004. I mean, it'd be 19. Yeah. At some point this year, it'll be 19. Um, if not already. So, seeing them now as kind of the most fully developed versions of themselves was incredibly satisfying for me. Um, I, of course, am, am like among uh, the the group of us who I believe are the the world's biggest Samoa Joe marks. That's true, hundred uh, percent. Right. I was about to refer to myself <laughs> in those exact words. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so of course, you know, any opportunity to see my one true king of television take the W, I will take. Absolutely, uh, like the fact Ring of Honor has no television. <laughs> uh, you know, if you. <laughs> <laughs> streaming, whatever. You know. um, <laughs> just replace Rampage with Ring of Honor, man. That's all I'm saying. Uh, brother, if I could get into my thoughts on Rampage. Um, <laughs> well, that's why but, it's not on the show. Well, yeah. nobody watched it anyway. So, right. um, so you know, um, but Joe, I think, uh, is, is such a talent now in particular because he absolutely – came across just as strong as he when he entered the matches when he left. Um I don't think he lost anything by losing the match. Um and the the uh angle at the end I thought was incredibly well executed and sets up for what I am sure is going to be one of the most just tasty feuds of the summer. So and I'll say this, Cooper, uh, we are definitely big Samojo marks, but everyone on the internet is, because I didn't see the show, um, and I didn't see the highlights for a while, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, can't believe CM Punk, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, what, did he just beat him with like the GTS and go home? And then I watched it, and I'm like, oh, he got him with a surprise roll-up. That's not even a loss. Might as well be a, like, a surprise roll-up is like a draw. Like, it's not, but like, it is. Plus, they set up for earlier in the match yeah. with him avoiding the clutch earlier as well, so it wasn't it wasn't like out of nowhere. It was like oh, CM Punk has been yeah. evading the strikes and evading the uh, submission of the Samoan submission machine. And I and I love Samoa Joe. The tr- he is the one true um, man named Joe who is in fact Samoan. But and I also don't like CM Punk. It's well documented on this show and among everybody that probably is within a ten mile radius that I don't like CM Punk. But like that's fine. Like I think it's good because. The CM Punk, because now it's going to be the finals, right? He's in the Owen Hart yes. finals against Ricky Starks. Right? Yes, absolutely. I think, I think that's, I think that's a better situation because that can just be a standard match where is Joe versus Ricky Starks. Then what? You have Joe lose that. Like, I, I think this was, it's the right, like it's the right call. Tony, Tony doesn't do a lot right, but like, thumbs up, guys. You did good. Closed out the show well. Hip hip hooray. Absolutely, and the yeah. viewership went up this week. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think uh, Collision is. Probably gonna be all right. <laughs> you know, as like it, it's not as gonna be the end of the, end of the dang world. It will, loses, it will man. survive. It, it's yeah. an all. It's a uh, all right night for fighting. Indeed. at the end of the day. And <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to also, um, as the, the, this show's premier CM Punk apologist, <laughs> I think uh, as as much as you know, we have all aired our particular grievances about the man. I don't think uh, we can say that he is you know, lost it in the ring at all. Um, and his his performance with, you know, evading Joe's offense, pl- trying to to play the intelligence game rather than the power game, I think was an incredibly uh, good move on, on his part as a performer, you know, because he knows that, you know, nobody would ever in a million years <laughs> think that he could, like, overtake him. Yeah. You know, so um, 
we we can joke about Punk and him lacking self awareness all we want, but uh, I think he has an incredible mind for wrestling, and in particular with somebody like Joe, who he has such a, a long history and friendship with that know, knows how to play to each other's strengths so well. I think it, you were just bound to make magic with this match. So, And make magic they did. Well, we got to move on. Mon- gotta- <laughs> Monday, Monday Night Raw? Magic? I, was try- I, I was trying to come up with... Oh, that would have worked. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the alliteration, yeah. dude. It's sometimes, it's, sometimes it's, it's not too hard, man. Sometimes it's the simple, the simple choices. You know yeah, I mean? but then like, if we do all the simple choices, like, and then we run out of ideas, what's going to keep the people coming back? No, we're an hour in and you haven't even chosen the simple option at any turn. Earlier you used the exactly. word fawn completely incorrectly. That wasn't so. on the show, though. This that is, was before. This is the McMahon style of WWE GL right here. <laughs> we're changing uh, We're not going to give you the obviously correct answer because we're thinking about drawing tickets far down the line, brother. Swerving, brother. <laughs> Come on, man. We're we're gonna we're gonna tease the rematch clause. Then we're gonna push it six pay per views down the line, brother. Oh I don't my know lord! If you knew this, but Lex Luger, Luger once defeated Yokozuna via countout at SummerSlam. <laughs> that that is objectively correct. <laughs> and, and then he celebrated like he won the gold, brother. He also defeated Yokozuna on an aircraft carrier. Lex, no, he just body slammed. A real American a hero. Oh, my gosh. A real well, American the fans, mediocre wrestler. While anyway, the fans chanted Hogan. You know, um, in between <laughs> your first mention of Lex Luger and the last mention of Lex Luger, I believe he just threw 48 bionic forearms and then flexed. So, really incredible work there. Um, no, all, all up to Lex, man. Hey, he was over in WCW. So That's, what, that's, that's where... Good talent truly goes as WCW <laughs> um, into the void that no longer we got us. But going anyway, from, but going from the magic man that is Lex Luger, we got to move into Magic Monday Night Raw, and the main event included Judgment Day put aside their issues for a win over the pacifist and the aggressionist and Seth Rollins. God, this made me so happy. The pacifist. <laughs> okay, who? I gotta tell you. How relieved. Uh, who? I, I let out a, a massive sigh. I'm, I'm not even going to rag on you for your weird introduction for a second there, just because I was so invested in this Judgment Day storyline. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, man. Who? They. The, pass- the pacifist and the aggressionist. We got <laughs> Kevin Owens, who's big on aggression now for some reason, and Sami Zayn is a pacifist. And Seth Rollins is, there. is, a, is a secondary champion. Hey man, they sing along to a song. Um, okay, sorry, I just had to know. Go on, Cooper. Yeah, I, I was as, as much as lost as you were. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, the Judgment Day should never break up. They should <laughs> always be a unit together, uh, much like uh, I don't know. Uh, who, has there ever been like a truly? Uh, forever team in wrestling? Forever? No, yeah. everybody breaks up. I mean, like, the, the close, horsemen... The closest is, like, probably the New Day, I think, right? Ye- oh, the yeah, New Day is it? Day. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. they didn't break up other than, like, it's, injuries. It's right. going to be and the dr- New and Day the and M- MJF and Adam Cole. I mean, That's gonna be the I'm thinking... <laughs> I, yeah, I hope. Christ. Um, is- of WWE... Like, you'd have to go back to, like, Territory Day factions to meet. Like, did the Freebirds ever, like, have, like, yeah, a, like, a schism? Lot, a lot, like... Not properly. Like, didn't, didn't they just, like, happen to move on or whatever? Right, right, yeah. Just that's through. Like, because so, WWE, though, they always break up. I mean, like. <sighs> I don't think the Road Warriors ever did, but they, like, replaced they did, they after, did. after Actually, Hawk. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, they did because they did that stupid storyline where Hawk oh, right. got pushed yep. off a cliff, which yeah, might as that. well have been breaking. Um, yeah. I'm in the reliving the war section of that storyline, and it's making me very angry on a week to week basis. But anyway, um, I mean, I don't. You keep talking. I'm gonna brainstorm over here if I can think of anybody. <laughs> um, but no, they, at the Judgment Day, um, I think at this point are at the most like creatively um, exuberant. Uh, there, there's at at a peak right now, um, and I think that like the teasing that they did last week with Damian Priest, um, potentially you know thwarting uh, Finn Balor, um, I think is understandable for for where it is right now, and I think that's that's the end goal that you want to get to, um, but. I don't know, man. Like, I could absolutely just watch all four of these guys, like, just interact with each other constantly and be entertained. Like, you know. Um, and so, starting the show off, I thought this was structured very creatively, too. Starting the show off by um, having Finn come out and, and be very antagonistic with the group and then seeing their true cohesion at the end. I thought was was a like very classic kind of storytelling 101, which is not something that you always get from the Fed, quite frankly. No, it is not. <laughs> you know, um, but one of the hallmarks of the the kind of Triple H era that I've really appreciated is like show long threads that will you know there there is a definitive beginning, middle, and end, um, and I think that this was was executed very well in particular. It was. Um, I thought they also had a really good match in the main event. Told a good story. Mm-hmm. Didn't take the people on the ride like FTR and Bullet Club Gold. <laughs> right. But well, um, what can really? What can? What can really? Like the Imagineers over at Disney World can <laughs> design a ride that good. Um, apparently, they uh, went over this storyline in NXT, and we'll talk about it. During the break, because we know y'all don't want to hear that. And we're back, Alex. I don't know why you're talking when I turn the microphones on. Come on now. That's a rookie move. You graduated from here. You're done. Sorry. You know this. Sorry. I have, I have a faction, though, I think. What's your, <laughs> what's your faction, brother? The Hart Foundation? No, uh, they broke up. Because uh, Brett fought right, Owen. right. Well, no, but that was when they like were not like a faction faction. That was like, that was like WrestleMania 10. Yeah, but Jim... The anvil was still like there, and he was like having to pick sides and stuff. Okay, well, that, I'm wondering why it's on this list, and let me re- read into well, it. Well, okay, more. so here's here's an interesting proposition then. If, if we're talking about factions and not just tag teams, when one member leaves but the group remains, right? Do we count that as a split? Um, no. Yeah, I don't well, think like, so. Right? But like, in what circumstances do we do we think leaves? Like, because like, okay, so Owen. Left the Heart Foundation, right. right? But like, Nightheart was still sticking around. Bulldog, I think. So technically, th- this article was referring to exclusively the Bret Heel iteration. That po- when they, because like, so it was always called the Heart Foundation, even though it was just a tag team of two people. And then in the night, like in nineteen ninety six, ninety seven, when Bret's like, "I hate you all, Canada rules." That's mm-hmm. when they got the Bulldog and Pillman right, right. and everybody else, and they didn't break up until Vince fired <laughs> Bret. Mm. And they're not fired. He, you know, got out of his contract and sent him a pack in after Survivor Series. 
But no, I'm thinking about it, and I mean, it's just. I don't, it's just so, there's so many tag teams. And like, I was thinking about like, oh, maybe it's like a brother. And the first name that comes up is the Hardy Boys. I'm like, nope, WrestleMania 25. Split, when, yeah. when, when Matt set Jeff's house on fire and killed his dog, which is still the craziest thing I've ever seen. But man, I really, you really have me like, because I just cannot think of anybody, like even, like even DX, as it, they broke up so many times. Because. Right. Like, that's just what factions do in wrestling. Like, if they're over, they break up because one of the guys benefits from the heel tendencies. Or it's evolution where one of the guys becomes a face, which the Judgment Day, uniquely, they're all still heels. And, like, there's no, like, the Damien versus Finn thing is not, like, good guy versus bad. It's just two bad guys right. who just don't like each other, which is uniquely in, in this case. And we'll see if the fans get behind them because that's what they did with, like, Batista, and that's why they did that and so on and so on. I don't know. Anyway. We can talk more about rocks. Uh, we could go on about we, this. We do because we don't have to keep talking about the bootleg version of the bloodline and Judgment Day. Okay, uh, what? I'm that kidding. That's aggressive. a joke. That's I will say though, I did see <laughs> That's a hot called take. Getting heat, brother. I saw a hot take here on YouTube that said um, the Judgment Day could go down as a top five faction of all time. There's no which, way, brother. That sounds like a high number, but. Their reasoning was, and this stuck out to me, that every single member has benefited significantly. From being in the faction, which I would argue that is the case in the fact that, especially pre-Triple H era, Vince, the Vince era was dominated by a lot of, you're either swimming or you're just drowning week to week to week, and that has been rectified. Obviously, Rhea Ripley's probably succeeded the most, if not Dominic too, and that individual pairing in terms of elevating each other is probably one of the best pairings we've ever seen in terms of just the way that it's grown so exponentially. But, you know, Damian Priest, kind of a, a sync guy. Like, when I remember hearing about him on NXT and then seeing him get called up, I was like, I don't really, I don't really get it, to uh, be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Now I and do I, get it. And I would not blame you from those Vince era shows. Exactly. Yeah. And then Finn Balor, you know, who had his swimming moment in 2016 and never really recovered from it. Right. And admittedly, if Finn wins a few more matches in Judgment Day, I think that argument's a lot easier to make. The problem is Finn is sort of plateauing right now, and that's not great. But... Mm. I think definitely the argument is to make at least for Rhea and Dominic because, well, I mean, they look at where they were and look at where they are, kind of thing. Right. But you know, I, I just thought it was interesting and talk. And I know this was a big Judgment Day centric episode, so I thought it was. Anyway, talk about Raw because I didn't. Right, watch we it. we got to hop in the rest of Raw here. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna just jump all over the card here. Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle defeated Imperium, Giovanni Vinci, and Ludwig Kaiser via pinfall. Brother, I don't like Matt Riddle. Grad for Drew McIntyre, probably going to get another shot at the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam. Hope he loses. Cooper, you want to say anything about it? Um, I'm also grad for Drew McIntyre. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Noah Phillips. Brother. Um, you may not like Matt Riddle, but it sounds like you and Matt Riddle have been hanging out a bit too much over there, Noah. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Brother. Um, <laughs> that's all he's got to say. Brother. Brother, you know that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, this uh, this was fun. Uh, Drew is always, you know, a good uh, throw into like a big like multi man situation, just because he's always the biggest man. He's so giant. So, he's yeah. so giant. I saw him at a, um, a SmackDown show in Columbus, Georgia, once, oh. where he was going up against Chad Gable, and it was I swear 
like the most I've ever thought that I was going to see another man die. Like go. it there was really, really like scary. Hey man, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't see Rey Mysterio get thrown uh, while tied to a stretcher <laughs> up against the metal post by the Big Show. Oh, I did indeed see that, but <laughs> something about being live. Like if I had seen that live, that would probably be the closest <laughs> I would think. <laughs> there were some crazy SmackDown yeah. early two thousand moments that Brock Lesnar almost killed Zach Gowan. Anyway, um. <laughs> Um, <laughs> other parts of the show included Ricochet and Logan Paul coming face to face. Match. I'm so tired. I don't blame you. We're not even. Gonna, we don't. <laughs> Should have been LA Night, brother. Should have been LA Night. We don't need to talk on, about brother. that, brother. Well, although he, Ricochet did do the cool flip outside the ring thing and land on was his not, feet, which was not cameraed correctly at all. Yeah. Well, you know, wrestling. Uh, Zoe Starks defeated Becky Lynch. They had a fine match. Zoe Starks gets a rub for defeating Becky Lynch. Great job, guys. Uh, True Cinema was up next as the Viking Raiders interrupted Maxine Dupree's Alpha Academy graduation ceremony, and the woman stole a jacket. Valhalla. Valhalla. I'd... <laughs> Why? Why? The, the woman. The woman. Like... <laughs> Noah is not beating these allegations. <laughs> sounds like, sounds like, sounds brother. Like, it's Valhalla. It's Val. <laughs> sounds like when WCW had their one female character who was Nancy Benoit, and they're like, "Ah, yes, woman." woman. <laughs> yep. Or I guess it was Nancy Sullivan at that time. Yeah, right. Don't 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 want to incorrect. The timeline is confusing, but um, <laughs> woman, woman, guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, Noah, you got this. Um, uh, I thought it was true cinema. I uh, hope this builds to Chad Gable getting So much true cinema win. that he forgot the name of one of the characters. <laughs> he was so overcome with emotion. You well, know, I okay. hope when okay. I see Oppenheimer, the amount of cinema <laughs> that I that I see makes me forget that there was even a nuclear brother. explosion, brother. <laughs> brother. Okay, we're not going to have a woman in. <laughs> we just had a record for the we're most not, brother not gonna, on WWE <laughs> Shield this time. Brother, brother, brother. <laughs> Guys. Guys. <laughs> We're not going to go watch Oppenheimer or Barbie. And there's not going to be some character in it that is meant to draw on the mythos of Viking culture and be named Valhalla. That's, that's not true. even a person imagine, in Viking mythology. That's, imagine that's just death. When Vince fought God, he had a female valet named Heaven. Because that, that's what that is. Like, Valhalla sounds cooler than Heaven. But that is... <laughs> That's that is the exact translation though. Like like I mean, essentially, like I don't want to, you know, don't want to step on any toes in terms of the mythology comparisons, but like right. in terms of general philosophical, mythological translations. I get where you're going. Valhalla yeah. equals heaven. Right. Which also equals Mount Olympus, which I certainly hope we wouldn't have a character named Mount Olympus, because that would be quite quite a quite what would, what's I'm trying to think of some other ones. Let's see. Mount Olympus, uh Nirvana. You could do. Oh, that'd be pretty cool, yeah, man. Right, hey, yeah. I, that that wouldn't be too bad. I have somebody right. come out looking like Kurt Cobain. That, I'm <laughs> awesome. Make awesome. him come out to something in the way, <laughs> bro. That would draw money, brother. I'm telling you. There oh, you wait, go. Oh wait, I just did Raven. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> Raven, brother. Oh my gosh, that's oh that's so good. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but that, the thing is though, Valhalla sounds cool, so it's fine. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a cool name and ends with A, so like it, it could be conceived as like a, a feminine name, I suppose. There you go. But there you go. And again, it just sounds cool. Assassin's Creed named a game after it. They yeah. called it Valhalla for a reason. That's right. Because yeah, the name is Assassin's cool. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is not a manager in a major <laughs> in a major wrestling. <laughs> That's a great point. brother. 
But um, have you considered that that Valhalla merch really sells, brother? Brother, I don't think she has a shirt. I, yeah, she does. <laughs> All I'm saying is I want to join the Alpha Academy. I do too. Place, I, I want a nice jacket. Talk about a faction that'll never end. Alpha Academy. Bro, man. Chase U has been losing so hard in the wrestling school wars. <laughs> they have two different factions in the same company that are both college based. And I love Chase it. Chase U and Alpha Academy. And by far, Alpha Academy is like blowing them out the water. Well, yeah, but if you attach Otis to anything, it's like attaching a rocket, man. I mean, you just. You my, know, mom, oh, yeah. my, my mom did watch the war and was like, why? Why are you watching this? Because Otis is, is so over, dumb. brother. Does your mom understand that the war is over? My mom, whatever, like, so like she'll text me like when the World Series of baseball was going on. She's like, "You watching the game?" No, mom, I'm watching wrestling. <laughs> Why are you watching fakeness? That's her exact quote. And I'm like, "That's painful, mom. It's cool. Um, it's cool. You don't get it. Yeah, she, you wouldn't understand, she mom. She clearly did not watch uh, RoboCop return at Capital Combat. <laughs> um." Anyway, rest of all before the before 30 minutes. Well, we got 30 minutes on the show, and we can do AEW later. But we will talk about Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville defeating Cantha uh, Chance and Caden Carter. That's great for them. I really hope they don't beat um, my girlfriend in the, for the tag team titles. <laughs> if You know, hey, visualization, I've heard, is like a, a legitimate uh, goal-achieving method. Exactly. So, I mean, you're halfway there now. You get it, brother. Right. You get it. The the uh the quest for a thousand steps step starts with a single step. Yeah. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Keep going. Ronda Rousey was on this show. Whoa! Whoa! When? When? What? When she beat up Shayna Baszler. Oh right, that's right. They had a promo <laughs> segment. How'd it go? Was it as good as uh, well, the? I say you say promo segment. Shayna had a match uh, like this squash. Um, right. Uh, and then uh, Ronda came out and attacked her. Oh, afterwards. okay. Yeah, not bad. So we're just we're just continuing on that particular. Just put a microphone on on Shayna again so we can get some more some more heat because that was crazy. I yeah, want more, I want more of that nonsense. Come no, on. No, I, I I was watching it though, and I was like, who was this random woman they got? And I was like, Emma. And I like couldn't <laughs> comprehend the yep. fact that that oh, was a wrestler, Emma. and I was like, Yep. Oh. Oh, Emma. She used to be on TV. Might be the biggest casualty of the McMahon era of any wrestler I've ever witnessed in my entire life. There's some competition. That's true. Okay, true. Yeah. That's true. We may have to do an episode on even that, but yeah. keep going. <laughs> Brother, I don't think we need to keep going. We got to take us a break. We'll be right back in a couple. Well, we are back here on WEGL. And Cooper, mm-hmm. what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the one true wrestling show on weekly television, AEW Dynamite, well, Noah. That's too bad. We're talking about Cody Rhodes challenging Brock Lesnar for oh, a match at SummerSlam. I get no respect. Please, move on from this I'm your three-hour heavyweight slugfest. champion, and I get no respect. <laughs> no, brother. Oh, my Lord. Move oh. on. Okay, Cody challenged Brock. What What do you, what do you want? So, what do you want to talk about? He, uh, and then he, then he, he said pumped we all, the crowd. Hey, we all have a Brock Lesnar in our lives. Luckily for y'all two, it's a 285-pound 6'2 man named Noah Phillips. Yeah, for Cody Rhodes, it's that ugly tattoo he's got to tattoo his neck for the rest of his life. And also imagine, literally Brock Lesnar. Right? Imagine, go, imagine going to visit Grandpa and he just has an American Nightmare <laughs> tattoo on his neck. And you're like, what? That's that's my favorite thing about moments like that. Like, imagine this guy when he's 80. Just imagine for a moment, which is which is what the Undertaker looks like now. But that's beside the point. Um, anyway. 
Hey, hooray, move on. I don't care. Cody, meh. Well, we do have to talk about one more thing from Raw, or Logan will kill me. Uh, oh, wow. Tassano okay, Chapa. Okay. However you say oh, it. Oh, wow. <laughs> After we had just said the man's name during the break, by the by. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? He lost, all right? So Tomas- he doesn't deserve to have his name hey, hey. done correctly. What? Tommaso Champa. Well, you know what? He's Sometimes a Sometimes said Champa. He's Sometimes. a chump because he lost to the Miz. First and foremost. Did he lose to the Miz? He really? lost to the he Miz. He lost to the Miz after Bronson Reed, oh. who is an, a, a like, large individual, yeah. <laughs> came in and essentially dropped his entire body weight onto him. Well, so I don't necessarily blame Ciampa for not feeling up to it <laughs> to pin the Miz. After sounds like it. a surprise roll-up. I think that's fine. Right. Passing grade for there. Um, They had a good match, though. Was yeah, it was it was, uh, it was, it was very good. Champa's great. The Miz is good. Hey, right, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, and also I like uh, Bronson Reed, even though he uh, shouldn't be a, a Miz lackey. But yeah, they're trying to figure out what to do with him right now, and it's unfortunate that it's not going anywhere. It seemed like they were doing kind of like a cool thing. Like he he had this like uh, sort of like hitman kind of vibe to him. He yeah. wore like fancy suits and all that, and then he would come out and wreck people. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like. Miz storylines just kind of seem to get people sucked into like this black hole of like not being on television after. It's the one thing that Miz has never been able to do in his career is like he just hasn't been able to like give wrestlers the like the the rub that every other wrestler with such a career can do. I also say this, I really just think WWE will not reach its stride in terms of the brand split until the other belt on the other brand is actually freed up. Mm. Because, you know, there's a lot of guys that are heel-level talent that can't go after the belt on one brand because it's already been contended by Finn in the Judgment Day. So then, like, but they can't go after the other belt because it's not defended. So then it's just, like, a bunch of guys, which it's helping elevate Intercontinental and U.S. titles. Sure, hip, hip, hooray, whatever, cool. But to an extent, like, there is just, like, a lot of what do we do with a million heels when we have basically one championship. Anyway, but Raw. Yep, that was Raw. Now and it's time. Now we can move on yes. to what thousands of people did. Yes. And turn on AEW Dynamite. <laughs> Light the fuse. See Chris was, Jericho was and then dig? turn the channel. They can look at they can go, oh my gosh, Chris Jericho's coming out here with Ray Mysterio Light and change the channel. That's what we can Ray do. Mysterio. Oh what, wow. What else that's, do you all want to talk about? That's that's an that's a borderline insulting statement. Um wow. I was gonna say that the allegations I made. But mentioned, he got heat, so it's fine. <laughs> We're selling tickets, so it's fine. Don't you know that we sell tickets on this radio program? Guys, um, you may not be be able to hear that, but with the force that Cooper brought that to the microphone, the title is actually spinning again. So um, (laughs) I kid, I I, I just, but yeah, you know, you do what you got to do. Anyway, the allegations that I investigated. So last week, people on this show dare to say that Chris Jericho did not invent singing along to music at the entrances. And I thought, how dare you guys besmirch the name of the man with the worst signature move in wrestling, the Judas Effect, which looks like a man in slow motion trying to, you know, make a make a hole in a gigantic crowd. That's how I feel about that stupid elbow from a dude that moves at like a one mile an hour. Anyway, I hate that move, but beside the point. I investigated this thoroughly, and I did discover that they're right. Chris Jericho did not invent singing along to um, interest music because that would be... Bobby Roode. 
I mean, even he didn't like invent it. But <laughs> he did. Jericho pop- was still in the WWE when people were singing it. along to Glorious like absolute lunatics at every Takeover show, mm. and then they buried Bobby Roode, which um is you know a whole other subject entirely. But yeah, I discovered it. It's fine. And uh, yeah, this match. I mean, eh. um, Jericho definitely botched the um the uh, Codebreaker off the top rope like very clearly. Yeah. Right. Because that was supposed to be the end of the match, and then Commander just like kicked out of Codebreaker, which you know is not supposed to happen. And it's clear because they didn't even go to like a replay of it, and the commentators were like, "Oh, a Codebreaker." But I mean, you know, it was he a had a fine match. He had a piece of it. It was a fine match, and then Callus showed up, and you know that that was like a, the Bad News Brown thing was like sort of cool. I thought it was a little strange. I like what promotion was that? Um, they said um, it now. It was a bunch of weird letters. <laughs> Yeah, some I don't know Canadian indie okay. from like way back when. Yeah, I thought I thought it was something at that old. point. Bad News Brown would have. I mean, that was like years after his like more mainstream run. Anyway, I think mm-hmm. nineteen ninety five. Yeah. So and that was before Callus went to ECW. So that was probably their final stop before they went to ECW. I'm guessing. Right. Because um, when it first showed up, I thought it was Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and I was like, "Wait, what? No. How did they get? I mean, let me look. How did they get that? How did they get that footage? Hey, man." They do what they can. But, you know, I thought it was a fine opener. As far as me watching my second AEW episode ever, I was like, okay, it's yeah. cool. I like right. the Callus and Jericho thing. I think it's a little weird that Jericho's like a, a face, sort of. It's a little strange, but, you know, it was, it was an all right match. Um, yeah, I dug this. I thought it was a, a good way to open the show. Um, Jericho uh, is obviously not at his peak, but I think that he can, you know, very much still put on uh, entertaining matches, if not technically good matches. Um, and, uh, you know, we talk about the Codebreaker thing, but, um, I mean, dude is still, you know, going for lion salts, like, and making them look like, you know, oh, all right, you could, you could possibly get that. Um, so, pulled out the lion tamer also in this one which uh is fantastic i'd never want to see the walls of jericho ever again uh it's just a boston crab man like that's that, true it's just a boston crab at least the lion tamer you know you put a little extra stank on it you know <laughs> um but uh yeah and commander i think for being basically just like uh, uh enhancement talent jobber pretty much in in aw um I mean, for the time that he's on TV, he gets his spots in. And, you know, people, I think, uh, will at a certain time, you know, recognize that, oh, yeah, this guy is, like, consistently, like, one of the most, like, entertaining high flyers that we have here. Um, That, like, rope walk uh, shooting star looks fantastic every single time. I could watch it forever. Um, And I really loved the... the, um, Segment after with with Callus as well. I liked calling upon that history with the two of them, um, and seeing Callus basically try to play to Jericho's nostalgia, his nostalgia, and also his sense of of self importance as right. well. Um, Jericho, I think, um, waning down on the JAS um, is is an interesting storyline in particular the way that it was told during this episode because we had this and also we had the jake hager uh that was a jake uh, hager jump video. scare man i didn't see that one coming yeah. he just appeared on my television screen i couldn't believe it <laughs> um but uh 
you know, so they're them uh, laying the groundwork for for this group that's been around for like, ooh, like over two years now. Uh, finally breaking up, I think is has been fairly interesting. Although sudden, I will say that it, this is has come fairly quickly. But what they've been managing to do with it, I think, has been well performed so far. Um, and I I will keep popping for Don Callis's uh, entrance theme. It's so <laughs> it's so corny. I love just, it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like uh, is just somebody hit the the lowest possible note on like a 808 synthesizer and just like let it ring so i like it yeah speaking of the j jas storyline our next match is orton cassidy and darby allen losing to sammy guevara and a sports entertainer named Dar- daniel garcia uh great match oh fantastic did did everything yeah. it needed to do uh daniel garcia they're moving on to take on uh Adam Cole and MJF in the finals of the Blind Eliminator Tag Tournament. We only got five minutes, so I think we need to wait and talk about Adam Cole and MJF versus uh, Big Bill and Brian Cage in the next 15-minute segment we have. So we'll move on a little bit. Uh, the Owen Hart Memorial Women's Tournament semifinal: Sky Blue versus Ruby Soho. Soho, fantastic match from both of them. Sky Blue is surely really You're coming right. into <laughs> okay. really coming into her boots and becoming a fantastic professional wrestler on AEW television. Oh, she, dude, she's going to be like the premier face of the women's division in like no time. Yeah. I I get that. I don't totally get Ruby Soho to be quite honest with you. Like I know that she's working as a heel, so that could, you know, be impacting my judgment there. I just don't I don't really get the appeal. I didn't get the appeal when she was Ruby Riot and like the Riot Squad. I didn't feel like it was one of those like unjustly fired wrestlers from WWE because there's a lot of those. I felt like it was just like, yeah, you. I mean, you had a bad gimmick and whatnot, but like, I I don't really get it, and I don't really see. That's what sticks out to me is like, okay, you got fired, and like it was unfair. So then you go to AEW and you kind of do the same gimmick. I don't, I I don't really totally get it. Now, admittedly, I know that she has a very long career. If I'm not mistaken, on the independents and whatnot, and that's. Fine, but I just that's two matches in a row where I've not really got it, I guess. And like there's there's been like a bit of a disconnect. Obviously, the Britt Baker match was related to Britt as well, because we all agreed that that was kind of like a it was just a weird match. This yeah, one yeah. was a bit better because hey, at least the ref reacted to uh, the rest of the outcast this time than just you know letting them do whatever they want. I don't know. I just don't really get it, but I definitely see the potential of Sky Blue and the potential that the women's division has is. Pretty solid, especially considering I know they're kind of looking for that. For what it's worth, I think Ruby Soho is a very charismatic performer. Like yeah. it, her facial expressions, the way that she uh, works with the crowd and with like in this match in particular, her selling um, to to bait in Sky Blue for the finish. I thought you know she's a very like I don't know just something about like her look uh, is is very distinctive. Something about she has like a. a type of presence that draws me in at least so yeah I, that's where i am a big fan of her so that makes I sense see otherwise so. i do I, I wasn't i'll admit i wasn't giving it my full attention i probably need to probably need to do that a bit more as i continue to watch the dynamites and so on but anyway i mean you know so what in the final she's gonna go up against who so that has not been decided oh that's yeah. right that's right that's gonna be decided on collision mm-hmm. yes. okay gotcha. no Sorry. rampage oh well in that rampage, case we will brother. not know about it because willow <laughs> could not fight uh Oh, that's right. Yeah, they announced that on on collision. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we only have 
short time before the next ad break, but I will say you talked about potential, Alex. Yes. A man with a lot of potential. He's 18. Of course, I had the whole world conquered by the age of 18. Nick Wayne had his AEW debut against Swerve Strickland. Fantastic match. I'm very impressed by Nick Wayne's facials. I did not realize he was that good with his selling. Friend of the show, Nick Wayne. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know why you doubted him. I was there from day one. Uh, no. You've been down since day one. No, he was yeah. at, he was at the GCW show, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. What a what a fantastic debut. I would not have changed a, a single thing about this. Um, he's such a natural. Um, I loved. I liked the video package that they did last week to to introduce him and get people a little bit. You know, even for a short amount of time, invested in his story, um, you know, his relationship to Darby. Um, you're already setting up so many different routes for this guy to go as a as a young new talent. Um, I don't think I, I could be proven wrong, but I don't think that this is going to be a situation where somebody debuts really hot and then kind of gets immediately uh, left on the wayside, as is sometimes common for high profile AEW signings, especially if he and Serve Strickland can be allowed to continually have this war that they had on the independence, so mm-hmm. I'm told. But I would just like to remind the folks that he's only 18. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of years of he's wrestling He's got a left. lot of years in front of him. Of course, I am going to decide we're going to take an ad break. I kept trying to come up with a way there, but y'all y'all understand what I'm saying. Y'all get me. Y'all get yeah. Me. Y'all get me, right? 100%. Good, because y'all are going to get me during this ad break. Well, if I can't press the button. Welcome back for one last segment here oh. on the show. Do y'all want to talk about the greatness of AEW? Uh, or excuse me, not a, well. They're okay sometimes. Um, do y'all want to talk about the, gra- slipping. the greatness of MJF and Adam Mask. Cole versus? Done, done. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna pick what we talk about first and foremost. Gimmick Killer is back <laughs> at it again. Okay. And first of all, we have to do MJF and Adam Cole, and then finish with the end of the show because that's just the way that makes sense. Like we're gonna talk about the end of AEW and then well, go back to the. Do beginning. we want to? Do we want to start with the stuff that was just okay, or do we want to? Uh, Start with the stuff that was great to get the people in to listen to what we're talking about. No, we're definitely do MJ and Adam start, Cole, man. We got to start with the stuff that's good so we get the people in the building. Yeah, MJ yeah. and Adam Cole, exactly. But Adam, Adam Cole and MJF, <laughs> maybe pull teeth so, for that. So this entire, yeah, this entire back and forth was for nothing. <laughs> yes, it was. Cool. I'm trying here, man. Lord have mercy. Anyway, Whose fault, um, is, that? Whose fault is that? Great segment, by the way. Um, hilarious segment. Uh, Adam Cole and MJF both tap the shot glasses on the counter. Good, good form. Um, but that was that segment was excellent. I thought it was it just you know, like made you want to buy the video game. It like no, it was it was funny and Max like I never had any friends and like that like it, it was good and it was cheesy and it was you know what it reminded me of, and this is what this is what around one person I saw tweeted was like oh, that WWE style segment went too long. They could have done a whole match during that time, and I was like. Enjoy good wrestling when you see it, brother. And that means... That, that person's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. That means behind the scenes. It reminded me of the old, or like, not the old, the 2010 DX Revival when they would just do cheesy, buy it on the WWEshop.com. Like, that was like the one funny thing they did because it was like, you know, tongue-in-cheek or whatever. This was funny, man. I, I had a good time with it. Mm-hmm. I like MJF. I like it. Adam Cole is doing pretty good. He really is showing us how bad Roderick Strong is at promos. But anyway, um, <laughs> look, man, I can be a generational Adam. hater unlike anybody. What? Adam. 
you're not seriously becoming friends with this guy, right? <laughs> when, he, when he walked on my screen, I was like, oh, my, here he comes. His wooden board of a personality about to showcase to us all. I'm sure, I'm a great wrestler. His goofy little neck brace. The, <laughs> the only, the man, I, ugh, but I, I thought this whole segment was great. It led into the match also really well because, like, it's just good and it's entertaining and it's also different. Because that's just not something you see in AEW. Like you see storytelling, but it's done. It's done a lot on commentary, which is what just sort of one of their things, I think. Whereas for this, this is good, and match was good. I mean, Big Bill showed up, and I, I couldn't believe my eyes when Big Bill pulled up. I mean, MJF did body slam him. Brian Cage is gigantic. That man, I cannot fathom. Right. Hey. Anyway, that's that's my random thoughts. MJF tried to get him up, and he turned into Hulk Hogan. He. Tore every muscle in his back. That's true, man. He, he, you know, he torqued up his neck, brother. He's like, "Oh, you got me." It's enough to to make a man uh, walk out for <laughs> the entire match. Big Bill's about to get sent down to developmental, brother. That's what I'm telling you. Anyway, uh, I uh, I had said earlier that I think the Bullet Club Gold and FTR match was probably my favorite match of the week in in all of wrestling uh, this time around, um, and I think that's still true, but. Um, my favorite moment in wrestling uh, from this week was absolutely the video package for MJF and it's Adam so Cole. Good. Um, they, yeah, they're very quickly turning something that could have very easily been um, kind of tedious, I think, because in the the easy way to to go about this would have been to have them either like lose in the first round. Or have them like immediately, you know, like even if they're, they're progressing, they'll still bicker with each other right. or something like that, which would just make it all the more clear that this is a stepping stone to get to another title match. Um, but I think they've done a very good job at, at kind of hiding that. And at this point, like, I, I don't care about like MJF versus Adam Cole at like all out or whatever. Like, you can, you can do that as far down the line as you want. Just give me these two guys interacting in this way for like the next, I don't know, like two months maybe. Like don't you know, ever break them up. Right. Like I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. They should win those titles. They should hold them. I'm not kidding. Like, you know It's been done. It's been done before. To, to have um, you know, MJF uh seemingly break this facade that he's built up for himself and be liter- like legitimately vulnerable around Adam Cole um, and try to be um, a better person for, for being around Adam. And Adam learning to kind of embrace the darker sides of himself, you know, to you know, just by proxy of being around Max, um, I think is, is a really interesting back and forth. Um, and I think what's going to ultimately bring them apart is that dynamic between them of, of, uh, Max, uh, not even intentionally, but just by being who he is and who he has become for all these years, uh, getting in the way of Adam's relationships. We see this with Roderick Strong. Right. We saw it this time with Britt Baker. That was uh, nice. That was, that was nice. He's in the nice doghouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was good. So, you know, slowly chipping away at, at these pre-existing relationships that Adam has, and and maybe perhaps becoming like uh, possessive in in this team and yeah. of these t- of the tag titles when they eventually get them. 
there's so many interesting ways you can go about it, and I think it's like one of certainly my favorite things going right now, and and every, something that I've come to to look forward to uh, on a weekly basis. Absolutely, and I definitely think. They could build it to all out just because you got to announce some matches at some point for this pay per view. Like, right, obviously, you've right. sold all your tickets. You don't really need to, like, you know, announce the matches, sell the tickets. But, like, dude, like, come, and if come you, on. If you wanted give to give us something, if you wanted to keep drawing it out, you could, I suppose, have, say, Roddy go after the title. Right. Uh, I was thinking about that. All out. Yeah. Right? You know, um, and build that's that's a stepping stone into, okay, you, you're, you're crossing off the the pre-existing relationships of Adam Cole. So MJF like actually has to uh, like beat this, uh, you know, prior string that's holding Adam back in order to, to continue his friendship with him. And it just becomes this kind of toxic, like possessive kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a couple of ways you could do it. And, um, I, I think it would be, a little bit short-sighted to to just have them either like lose the end of the tournament um, and immediately turn back on each other, um, or you know to have it be revealed that oh Max was playing him all along, um, which is always an option with yeah. them. Um, so you know it, it'll be interesting to see where they go, um, but I for for right now I am. Uh, very much in favor of this. Indeed. Noah? I'm very much in favor of it, too. I hope they never break up. This brochacho needs to stay on my television every Wednesday night. Those shirts are going to make some money, man. Better than you, baby. Um, something that was not better than me, baby, was the main event. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to give my two cents, and then I'll let you two talk it out and rain on my opinion but I needed Pack to get some music and I didn't need John Moxley to pick up a microphone. I guess uh Bushi's cool. I've never seen him before. You're in for something. I'm in for something. Okay. I'm I'm gonna hold you to that as I watch them break two thousand seven hundred and thirty two tables in this blood and guts match next week. Um I really I I will I will stand on this hill until I die. They should have gave Pack music. I think it heightens his return a little bit more because he's been gone for what seems like forever now, and giving him music could have heightened that. I just don't get it. Did Moxie get a mic? I don't remember him he grabbing did, a mic. He did get a mic. He did get a mic. Uh, he does terrible. that, doesn't he? Um, yeah, no. I also hated this segment um, for the different reasons, admittedly, because um, it goes back to what I said at week one, and you're going to say, well, no, that's how it's gone. They've gone back and forth, whatever. Like, I just – did not get how Kenny Omega goes to confront Don Callis and then two members of the Blackpool Combat Club come out and Kenny's like, I'm going to dispatch both of you with like one punch, keep on walking, and it takes a third member, a surprise member with a weapon to come on out and hit him over the head with a steel chair and still the Blackpool Combat Club is sent running anyway. In the rand and like it doesn't if if the elite lose this match at Blood and Guts, I don't know if it makes any sense because there's not a single thing from these last two weeks to me that indicates at any point they're on even level footing other than the fact that Claudio is pretty cool. But like this, I don't I don't really understand why that was the case. Like why it needs 
Like, I get it with Wheeler Yuta and Takeshita last week. Sure, they're not the heavy hitters, and Kenny Omega is this deity, even though his gimmick is just these really good wrestlers, so I don't really understand how he's a deity. Anyway, um, like, John Moxley is the heavy hitter of the Blackpool Combat Club, or one of them, it seems like. And I don't really under I, I just I just was like, Kenny, just take a bump, brother. It's not gonna it's not gonna kill you to lose to more than three dudes at one time. Like it's not gonna be the anyway, I just I didn't like that. I don't like that. It is what it is. Like I wish I could say that it was because I was attached to one of these characters. I'm not, I just don't like it. Anyway. Cooper, I can feel your eyes t- tearing a hole through me at this current juncture. So just let me let me have <laughs> you got, it. You got you got two minutes, bro. Let I me have it, man. I'm fine with it. Like, you know, okay, that's yeah, whatever. Um I can uh, take it. I thought I thought it, uh, I I wasn't bothered by yeah. this segment. I didn't love it either. Um, you know, I th- I do think that they made a couple of slip ups in terms of one how they introduced Pack, um, and also yeah the the presentation of the Combat Club I thought was not great in this one. Um, the the segment last week that you were referring to I was fine with. No, yeah, no, I know. I was yeah. not as cool with this particular yeah. one of way of doing it. Um, uh, although I don't know, at some point, you know, they just kind of play in. You you kind of have to play into the general tropes of pro wrestling, which is you know like, oh yeah, you know this wrestler who fights in five minute long to twenty minute long matches will get knocked out by a single punch, whatever. Like you know. No, I know. Um, yeah. Kota Ibushi is phenomenal. It's such a great choice. It's the only choice that they could have made. Um, it's Kenny Omega's uh, one true constant best friend his one true love um they are fantastic together i hope that this leads to ibushi being an aw more often he is insane as well uh he's a great technical wrestler but he when he gets the chance to like go for like a big extreme thing he will take it like he's shooting been, himself the fireworks I shooting saw himself the fireworks yes. he's been in gcw recently so he is no stranger to hardcore stuff um but yeah, I am uh, super hyped for Blood and Guts, if nothing else, just for that match and just to see Kota Ibushi in an AEW ring. Well, you're super hyped for Blood and Guts. You know what I'm super hyped for? Being done with this program. I am tired of y'all. I am tired of y'all infecting. He's tired of us. In- He's tired of us. <laughs> infecting the minds of the wrestling fans that listen to our podcast with your opinions. And they should be listening to mine, but I will let you tell them uh, your Twitter, Alex. Can they hear me over this music? It's they can. Uh, at Alex Houston. Um, I tweet about not wrestling things. I don't think I've ever actually tweeted about wrestling on there before, so we'll maybe we'll make that a new thing this Wednesday. Gimmick, uh, The gimmick killer, Cooper Prater, your so-called WWE EGL champion, does not have a Twitter, but I will allow him to leave us with some words of encouragement. A true man doesn't need a gimmick. <laughs> that's that's not true. I have been the notorious Noah Phillips. Oh, notice the stutter. Notice the stutter. I hope you had a wonderful time listening to our podcast slash radio show and have a great rest of your day wherever you are. And remember, be a bro chacho.